1: mobile syrup and syrup arcades gaming podcast i'm your co-host dean Daly, and i'm here with the pod's other host brad Shankar. brad how are you doing today and more importantly are you excited for the movie we're gonna watch tonight
2: uh, um pretty good thanks yeah um for context we're getting an early screening of the dungeons and dragons movie um later tonight, which is pretty cool. Uh it's we're both coming at it from completely different ends of the spectrum. Dean's a big DND guy. I've never played a round of D &D in my life. Um so it'll be very interesting to see. I'm a fan of the directors. They did Game Night, which was a really fun comedy from a few years ago. And this movie's been getting a lot of good buzz as well. So um, I'm excited.
1: Yeah, I'm also really excited. And again, as Brad just said i I love D D so uh going into that movie tonight with that in mind. Um, and today we're here with our special guest, Chris Brown, who, again, is not the singer. I'm going to just clarify, but our friend over at Blue Ant Plus, All right, Chris, I got to ask you, I always clarify that you're not the singer uh, from, you know, the, I don't know when he was start 2006?
0: Yeah, know, it's a far. long time ago. It's <laughs> been a long
1: time ago. Uh, but do you sing at all?
0: Uh, you don't wanna hear me sing. I, when I go to karaoke, I'm the sort of person who sits at the side with the tambourine and just taps on it. <laughs> I'm tone deaf. So yeah, no, don't do not sing. Do not let me sing.
1: Oh man, I can't wait for that. I'm gonna host a blue ant party where we have karaoke and I'm gonna make sure you have a mic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so moving on from Chris's singing career, we're gonna just talk about some of the rumors surfacing around the PS5 Pro. Talk about some Nintendo stuff and move on to our final draft. Final, I want to say Final Fantasy. That's not what I'm trying to say. Our fantasy For me it dra- was. <laughs> yeah. our fantasy draft um, game release. Uh, just going over the first quarter of the year. Uh, so start off. Rumors of the PS5 Pro have begun surfacing. Do you think these are true? I I personally am kind of skeptical. Uh, just regarding a a, con, a new PS5 coming out, I think it, it said late 2024. I, I had to catch up on some news, and that seems like I don't know. It's kind of crazy to me. Uh, Brad, thoughts on that?
2: Uh, so that report came from Insider Gaming, which is like an independent uh site, and they actually do have a really good track record of things. Um, they've leaked stuff about GTA Six. They've leaked stuff about a bunch of other games that I'm blanking on at the moment, but so they do actually have a, a good track record. So, uh, but even ignoring that I would believe it just because it, the timeline sort of matches up. I mean, COVID obviously messed up timelines in general, but you know, four years into the generation makes sense for like an incremental upgrade because the PS5 came out 2020, <laughs> just a reminder. So, you know, it'll be four years. If it is late 2024, it'll have been four years since the, um, the last, um, the first iteration of the PS5 and, you know, looking at the last generation, it was roughly the same thing. You know, the two consoles came out in 2013 and then in 2016 we got the PS5 uh, PS4 pro. And then the following year we got this, the one the X, uh, yeah, the one the, X, the names of the Xbox consoles are crazy. Um, so I, I think it makes sense um, given the timeline and given, you know, you, you want to give consumers options and you know, the, the stock supply for the PS5 has seemed to, kind of evened out now it's it, people can go into a store and buy one now which for the most part it seems like which i think after a year plus of that having a new skew to sell to people um obviously uh, any kind of pro model is going to be more of a niche item anyway. so it's not meant to like fully replace the main ps5 but just as an option i mean for me i i don't even care so much about the improved specs that it would have i just want a thinner less garish model like i hate the, how the ps5 looks <laughs> and it's it's disgustingly big and heavy. Uh, so if it's more of like a slim type iteration, or even if it reduces it uh, a little bit, I would I would love that.
1: That is insane. The fact that the PS5 came out almost like three years ago, um, or I guess not even three years yet, but you know, um, we're getting to there. It's, uh, it doesn't feel like that at all to me. Uh, now, what is Chris, time? Yeah, honestly, what is time? What is... COVID messed up time. I don't know. Uh Chris, your thoughts?
0: Two and a half years has gone by already since they came out. So I don't I don't think it's impossible that it will come out this year, Brad. I, I completely agree. Like in terms of timelines, it makes sense. With that said, I think it would be a mistake to bring it out next year. Reason being, as you said, those timelines have shifted so much since COVID began. Most people, I would say, didn't really get access to a PlayStation 5 until 2022 in the latter half of that year when they were readily available. And so it feels like it's a very accelerated timeline, especially given that most games to this point haven't really utilized the technology. When I think about past generations, a lot of people said, "Ooh, the leap to PS4 over PS3 wasn't nearly as big as the leap from PS2 to PS3. And every generation feels like it's a little bit more iterative. But this generation more than any other, the games that are pushing the boundaries, like some of the best graphics out there, like Horizon Forbidden West, was still a cross-generation title. We haven't really seen anything that is only possible on the power of the next generation of Xbox Series X or PlayStation 5. So for me, a PlayStation 5 Pro doesn't really make sense at this point, because as a consumer, you're right. Absolutely. Form factor could be a difference, but I'm the person who tucks it into my little cabinet and then never really looks at it again. So in terms of performance, I can't, I can't think of any games that aren't utilizing the PlayStation 5 to its full potential yet. But that's just my take on
2: it. Yeah, no, I, I totally see where you're coming from. I think what might actually benefit a, a pro is the fact that so many people didn't get a PS5 to begin with. So this is kind of like a, a more logical sort of jumping in point for them. Uh, If they never had one to begin with, because I think with the last generation, a lot of people already had like a PS4 or an Xbox one. And they sort of uh, didn't really see the reason to to jump into a iterative version of it. But I think for a lot of people who maybe wanted a PS5 or held off or, you know, I know a lot of people for the same reasons you mentioned, you know, there haven't been a lot of next gen games. So they haven't bought one yet. Maybe having a PS5 model at the time, because the time it comes out 2024, you know, Spider-Man 2 will be out. Um, assuming it doesn't get delayed a whole year, um, you know, whatever else Sony has planned, because we actually don't really know anything else that's coming from Sony besides Spider-Man, which is kind of wild. They've been putting off a showcase for months and months and months, so we have no idea. So I think that's a big thing too. It's it's a little difficult to talk about the PS5 Pro or in the future of the PS5 brand in general when they haven't given us a showcase yet um, of what's to come. So I think maybe, I totally see where you're coming from. I think they might have a lot that we don't know about that would be more... PS5 only like we're already starting to see that shift a little bit like even the DLC for Forbidden West which is coming out next month they just had like a blog post about it earlier this week about how it's harnessing the power of the PS5 it's only on PS5 which is interesting so um and even we saw that with Final Fantasy 7 Remake the DLC for that was only on PS5 so I think we're starting we're seeing even before we get big games we're starting to see that pivot finally so well
0: it's interesting because PlayStation they were the ones who came out and said, we believe in generations. They were the ones who infamously kind of shot themselves in the foot. When then it was announced that both God of War and horizon forbidden West were coming cross generation. And everybody was like, wait, wait, those are your two biggest games. How are those not exclusive to the PlayStation five? And it turns out Ragnarok was built from the ground up with the PS4 in mind. And, you know, I'm I'm sure it was the same for horizon, but it, 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 where I kind of question that line of thinking a little bit is, are the people who have not bought a PlayStation 5 yet, the people who are going to buy the Pro? Are those, you know, when I think about the people who bought the PS5s early on, those are probably the enthusiasts, the ones who want mm-hmm. the high frame rates, the the cutting edge graphics and that sort of stuff. When I think about the people who are buying a console three, four years into the lifespan, I think it's going to be the people who are either upgrading or, as you said, maybe, you know, they want early access to the titles they don't want to wait up for on pc that's kind of the crowd that i think of and that's not to say that like ooh, no casual gamer who is just picking it up for grand theft auto 6 is going to pick it up they will buy the pro but yeah i I do wonder about this line of thinking It, it felt i mean last generation was the first time that we had the pro editions for both console uh and That already felt weird. It it does feel more like the PC route where you're like upgrading your CPU or something like that. And I was nervous about it back then, but this time I'm a lot more nervous. Not not for the consumer. Actually, I think it's going to drop the price of the PlayStation 5, hopefully, uh, to make that more approachable. But uh, I do worry about PlayStation jumping the gun a little bit here and and you know what they weren't supposed to they haven't revealed this and this is just an insider report so maybe they will push it back or whatever it is if it's true but uh yeah i i personally hope it's a little bit longer just to get a little bit more i guess uh, get a little bit further into the lifespan so we have more of those marquee titles to really show off what it can do Mm mm-hmm
2: i'll just mention quickly there was r- rumors from jeff grubb who works for venture beat he's a very credible insider as well he was suggesting that we're gonna get like a the next big playstation showcase before e3 which would be before june so our conversation right now could be could become very dated very quickly depending on what we learn i'm not assuming that we'll learn the next three four years sort of thing of play or even the next year really we'll probably just learn a little bit more of what's coming out but It is worth noting that again, we don't really know what's coming from PlayStation besides Spider-Man. So, and The Last of Us multiplayer. That's really like the only two big things that are confirmed. And then there's some reports about other stuff. So,
1: Insider Gaming yesterday posted saying that this PS5 would actually phase out the current one. It's not. So they say this is not a PS5 Pro model. It's a. This one will phase out the other one.
2: So it's a slim. Then, like, the it's, PS4, sling. okay. Yeah,
1: it, but with a detachable disk drive.
0: Oh, that's been rumored for a long time with the detachable yeah. disk drive. So they, so they, if, so if,
1: they mentioned that before, and then this one, yeah. like,
0: yeah. If that's the case, you know, th- this, yeah, again, would kind of be a little bit uh, more iterative. I don't know if it, maybe the Pro moniker is more just about that detachable disk drive and, like, slimmer form factor in that case, as you said. In that case not I don't think this is going to change much for many people but uh, yeah it, w- it would be a smart upgrade in that case
1: Would you get would you would either of you replace your current PS5s for this No Okay that's fair I uh, I recently started using the Series X and I just like how much lighter it is than that. I like who really carries around their games but sometimes I spend like a week or two at my parents' house like if mm-hmm. they need help with something or for the holidays and lugging my PS Five there is just a pain in the
2: butt. Um, I've tried it. Yeah, it's super heavy. It's super yeah. Funky. So, but
1: last holiday, I brought my Xbox Series X, which was a, a lot better experience because it was it fit better and. And just now thinking, if there's a slimmer PS5 coming out, I don't know. I could GameStop retrade in my current model and for something slimmer and easier to move around. I don't know. Yeah, the so, slim
2: makes sense. Every PlayStation has had a, a slim version, yeah. uh, and this like one going back before PS4. <laughs> yes, this is the one that needs it more than than anything yeah. else. Like we thought the the PS3 launch model was chunky. <laughs> like,
1: right this one needs it so I you, need you've got
0: to do what phil spencer does when he travels he he takes the xbox series s <laughs> with the like attachable monitor monitor so just yeah. play it anywhere at any time there was that I've famous that. uh tweet yeah. he put out during one of the you know court proceedings about the Bethesda. Uh, sorry the uh, activision blizzard acquisition and he's there like playing play- uh, his xbox on the side and <laughs> it's like oh okay
2: i can just picture him walking around through airports with like a seto kaiba like a briefcase with like his series x on the monitor and he just whips it out every time he goes somewhere it's...
0: he is gamer goals he plays everywhere while doing business you know
2: <laughs> um <laughs> all right so moving
1: on from the ps5 uh let's talk about nintendo so doug Bowser said that the nintendo is standing behind the switch for the years to come uh Thoughts on that? You think it's true? I hope it's not.
2: <laughs> well, he's definitely like he Nintendo's stance has always been like they don't even comment on like some other companies might be like, oh, you know, we're always investigating future hardware, like a sort of general sort of statement, but Nintendo doesn't even like do that. Um and I think quite frankly, they have no reason to talk about it at the very least until after Zelda. I mean, that's their big that's really what we all believe to be the last big exclusive for the switch so i mean maybe in the fall in the holidays maybe they would start talking about something but i mean really after it, zelda's going to carry them throughout the year so they don't really have a reason to and then they have other stuff you know they got the mario movie the mario theme park like they have nothing really uh, no incentive uh at the moment to talk about it i don't think
1: and when did they come out with a new switch model when was
2: that again was that like two years ago or a the, year ago? the oled was 2021 that that released with metroid dread and then the two years before that was the switch Lite uh, in 2019 so
0: which you know fairly closely follows the 3ds trajectory where they had the 3ds Mm. the 3dx xl and then they came up with the 2dx yes the 2ds that was that was the wild one but yeah for for me i i read this quote and i had mixed feelings about it uh I'm just going to really quickly, because I just, I just pulled it up here. The, the phrasing that he uses is very interesting. So he, Doug Bowser, the president of uh, Nintendo of America, was talking to the Associated Press, and he said, as we enter the seventh year for the Nintendo Switch, sales are still strong. I think we still have a very strong lineup coming. As Mr. Furukawa says, uh, Nintendo president, uh, said recently, we're entering uncharted territory with the platform. It's exciting to see that demand is still there, so nothing to announce on any future consoles or device but we are still feeling very bullish about Nintendo Switch. So that's like, yeah, that that's PR speak. That is definitely, Nintendo will say one thing, and then the very next day, you, you could ask them, uh, are we going to have a Direct soon? And they would be like, we have nothing to announce right now. Very next day, uh-huh. hey, we're having a Nintendo Direct. Like, you can uh-huh. never predict what Nintendo's going to do. And they've shown that time and time again, whether it's being unpredictable with the designs of their consoles, Labo, or whatever other wild project they have. It, also, timelines just never line up. But historically, if we look at it, Nintendo has very tight timelines on their consoles. A lot of their early consoles were five years between releases and maxing out at six years. So they're already past the, the Switch is their longest living console. The Wii was their best selling console, but it had a lower attach rate. So it kind of makes sense when they announced the Wii U, it felt like it was already so far behind in technology. And then the Wii U was a short turnaround into the Switch, because I think the Wii U launched in 2011, 2012. And then we got 2012. So five years from that until the Switch. And now we're at the seven year point. So if they leave it until next year, let's, let's assume for a second that they're going to announce the new console in the spring of next year we'll be at the eight year mark by that point which is kind Mm -hmm. of wild so my assumption and and dean and brad you guys can tell me i'm completely wrong here my guess is they'll do what they did with the switch and they'll announce it in the fall of this year and then Uh it will be a spring release like it was with the switch
2: that's my guess yeah they yeah they um i think it was like october or whatever they teased the switch i think they they were calling it uh I don't remember what they were teasing it, but then, or they might've just said it was called the Switch, but then it was the following January in 2017 where they did the actual showcase and then it released in the March and uh, two months later. So yeah, what you're saying makes a lot of sense, to be honest.
0: Dean, I see. I see you wanting to say something there.
1: Sorry, no. I'm thinking. Didn't they call it something else?
0: It was the NX. Is yeah. NX, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> in, in earnings calls, they had actually referenced the NX because people were mm-hmm. so upset. The investors were so upset with the performance of the Wii yeah. U, that they kind of had to address. And they say, you know, we're, we Hunt. are working on the NX. We want you to know that's coming down the line. There was the initial commercial. It was basically a commercial. And it launched, I remember this distinctly because the big news that morning was Red Dead Redemption 2 being revealed. Yeah, and it, it was the, the same day. Trailer. And it was the same day. And then they came out with this trailer of all these adults playing with the, the Switch on like airplanes and rooftops. Skyrim skyroom and it was like wait what is this device it's wild what a different strategy for them especially after the wii u which was definitely it felt like a kid's device it was this chunky tablet and the switch felt so sleek but the games they were showing felt very bizarre so who knows what they're gonna do i mean dean do you have any predictions on like what the next device will be Um, i have no clue. god
1: no (laughs) i have no clue i uh i mean The Switch is so... I mean, perfect isn't the word, but it's so good in so many ways just because of how versatile it is that Mm -hmm. how more versatile could it possibly be? Like, you can bring it anywhere. And then you can also play it on your TV. I can't think of anything that they would... that could even beat that. I mean, in terms of versatility. Um, They... All I can see is like another switch looking device.
0: Okay. I've got another quote for you here from Doug Bowser from the exact same interview. He said, I should be careful about what I personally would like to see in a new switch. But what I can share is that one of the reasons that even going into year seven, we feel very confident that the switch can have strong performance over the next few years is that it is still truly that unique device that can play in a variety of ways at home on the go one of the things we look at is always how we can surprise and delight how we can introduce unique new ways of playing that's always in
2: the front of our mind. Yeah I mean that console handheld hybrid has been so popular and it's sold so well like it's you, you can't see them abandoning that like I don't know what how they'll iterate on that I don't know how if they would do like some kind of complimentary thing that is sort of different. Like, I have no idea how they're going to go about it. And I think that's partly what's so exciting about next-gen. It's interesting to see how they're going to approach it. Because, but yeah, I mean, there's so much love for that gimmick uh, of the Switch. So, like, how do, you, how do you go back from that?
0: The only thing you I'm going to put out there is that it has a lot more competition now because sure. obviously the Steam Deck has entered the market as an affordable option. It's just a little bit more pricey than the Switch OLED model. And you even have, like, high-end devices like the Ion Neo. Uh, which have come out and really blown people away in terms of its performance and stuff. And obviously, it's not a one-to-one comparison, but they definitely have more competition. So what my question to you guys is, before, before we move on, would they ever go back to having two devices? So you would have one uh-huh. portable hybrid, like the Switch, because the, the Switch sold so, so well, but they used to get two revenue streams. They would have the DS collection, or the Game Boys, uh-huh. and then you would have a console would they ever move back to having a dedicated console and a portable?
1: The Nintendo is kind of crazy. So Mm -hmm. they can do, they, they could possibly, I just don't think I wouldn't want to see that. I'd want to still see the same switch like device that you can use at home on your TV and then bring it elsewhere. Um, I mean, I think, I think it's possible, but I hope
2: not. No, that's a, that's a great point though. Yeah. Cause you know, they used to have the two completely different markets and then the switch yeah. kind of melds the two of them. So yeah, that's a good, that's a good observation uh, how they might go back to that. I mean, we've even seen other companies, I mean, that that's taken more of a streaming side of it, but like Xbox was looking into a very cheap, like dongle that you could plug into a TV as like not meant to be a main thing, but like a supplementary thing, an optional thing. Um, and we, you know, Valve played around with a bunch of different devices before the switch um before the Steam Deck, you know, they had like the Steam Box or whatever it was called. So um all the PlayStation kind of stuff,
0: so. had the Vita
2: and even, Yeah, they had the PlayStation TV. <laughs> i was good. That's for the what I Vita.
0: was just trying to think of. It was like that weird device you plugged into the yeah. TV that would play Vita games. Like what what?
2: <laughs> yeah. And and obviously a lot of those didn't take off, but I mean Nintendo is is the company that could do it, right? Like, if they wanted to have something more traditional, uh, like the Switch, but then something a little I need different. my Mario fix, man. Could, could
1: <laughs> they have a stick? I know Xbox was thinking about that, but could it be a stick-like solution? And then you plug the stick into your TV, and that's give to be your Switch, or you could plug it into your phone, uh, I and that's going be your Switch, or...
2: I don't think Nintendo would do something so streaming focused. I mean, they've only dabbled in streaming, and it hasn't gone very well uh, with some of the games that they have on the I mean, Switch. Uh, Nintendo like not, is a very dated company in a lot of ways, uh, so I wouldn't streaming. expect them to embrace streaming. But no, not um, streaming
1: wise, though. More like you know how Mac Minis work, where you can kind of it's like it's like a little Mac, iMac, a little MacBook, mm-hmm. and you you can bring it around and plug it into different things, and it can hold all your things. Okay, I've got
0: you, I've got you. So Dean, what you're saying is what they're giving you is flash memory. All you're taking out of your portable device is a flash memory stick and you're plugging it. All it carries is your saves of the games. And so it just, in between, I I don't know if you guys heard about this. There was recently um, a patent put together, a device put together so that Steam allows you to basically no longer download over your ISP. So if you have two PCs, for example, once you've downloaded a game the first time, you can then download it to any other device over your home Wi-Fi. So what it could be is your Switch, Switch 2, is your, like, portable device. And then what you do is you just take out your memory and you plug that into your home (laughs) device and it just plays it in way higher fidelity uh, and it could be way more powerful. And all it's doing is, like transferring your saves over instead of being like a device that you have to plug in it could be two separate things
1: and hey i think that would give game freak an excuse to keep making games like shit Uh. (laughs) thank you for saying that (laughs) but i mean yeah it's. we need more pokemon fans like you (laughs) i think it makes sense Anywho, we can move on from Switch. I, I just, I, I don't think the Switch itself can last too much longer. I think that we're seeing the end of days for the Switch. And hopefully we get something new soon. Uh, Yeah, so let's move on. Uh, We had our Final Fantasy draft game release. I don't know why. Final, Like the word fantasy, the word final has to come before it. It has
0: to. It's It's the gaming law. I don't
1: even know why I think that, uh, but the first game of the year that's come out and for our draft picks was Hogwarts Legacy, and it did well. Well, uh, The Metacritic was, or the open credit was uh, 84, I think we saw.
0: 84, yeah. Yeah,
1: which, I mean, hey, I might win. No. Draft.
0: <laughs> lock it up he got an 84 guys we're, we're yeah, done for the year just it now uh chris has zelda
2: but yes dean will win. <laughs>
1: <laughs> honestly it was a uh, i liked the game uh there are some faults in it uh definitely uh, there's some faults with jk but i had a good time playing it and it did line up with my expectations i expected it to pretty much do well but not hunt like in the 90s
0: so I read your article on uh, the site, and I thought you did a really good job of kind of like talking about where it hit and where it didn't hit. You talked a little bit about how maybe the story didn't resonate you as much as it might have when you were a lot younger, but you actually really loved the world of it. Do, oh, does that kind of still hold true now that you've maybe finished the game or, or at least put a lot more time into it?
1: Oh uh, Yeah, so I've, I've finished the main story and I've, uh, put quite a bit of time into it. I think that the game... I think that they kind of reused a lot of the same enemy types, which was a little annoying. Uh, uh, I love games like Elden Ring where you can, you're still seeing new types of enemies way into the game. Um, so the fact it had Harry Potter had that, or sorry, Hogwarts Legacy had that. Uh, the story again wasn't super gripping. The main story, at least, it did feel like I was watching. Uh, a Harry Potter movie, but, like, when I was a kid again, it was just, like... It felt
2: like a bootleg version of Half-Blood Prince. Like, it's literally, oh, the chosen one hero teams up with the kooky old professor and goes on missions to stop a dark evil. Like, that is literally Half-Blood Prince, basically. Except less interesting, because it's not Harry and it's not Dumbledore, and it's just a bunch of, like, random characters you don't care about.
1: I... And Half-Blood Prince is my favorite Harry Potter movie, um, which... Maybe I, why I liked it a little bit more, but it also uh, it just didn't feel there wasn't a lot of depth to it. It lacked right. no. depth. Uh, I think some of the side stories were kind of actually more interesting
2: uh, than okay. the main story.
1: Uh, like there is a there's like a haunted house one too. Like the, it's PS5 exclusive, but I thought it was like it was a fun storyline. And there's some other stuff that are really fun about it. I like catching wild animals, like. Pokemon the one
2: the side quest chain with sebastian the slytherin guy is wild it goes yeah, it's, it's, so it's actually crazy yeah, it, it's, it's like so a wild. really crazy fan fiction but it's like it's hilarious i love it see I, I haven't played the game but i just want to
0: put out there professor garlic is pretty cute that's <laughs> she's like the internet's bay isn't she <laughs> that's that's all i've seen of the game and i'm like yep no nope, but
1: it's not it's definitely not it won't be the best game this year i don't think especially with
0: quick quick follow-up for you in that case you know it's it's this this had a long development time assuming that they can continue using this engine and turn another game around do you think that a sequel i mean obviously given how much money it's made it's going to get a sequel do you think a sequel could improve on that for you
1: that's a tough question i'm not sure if i would play a sequel
0: oh Uh, interesting
1: just because of all of the JK stuff, I think that you're making a sequel. That means you're really doubled down and into like, we don't care territory. Right. In the sense of like, they made this game before JK said anything. They started making this game before JK said anything. They started hiring people before uh, she got all turfy. So to start a new game after that might be, might be where I I draw the line. Like it, again, it, sure, it, not for everyone, but it might be where I draw the line. Uh, but I think could they fix their the issues? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they could uh, add more enemy types. I think that this story probably will always be shallow to a point. Like it, it, we won't be getting a God of War narrative, like God of War Ragnarok narrative, in this game that had layers and layers of like, like emotion and like I cried at the end of that. But um, I don't, I don't think we'll ever see that from Hogwarts Legacy two or three or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if I'd actually even play it. Good answer. Still had fun though. <laughs> uh, the next question. So is any notable game scores this year
0: okay so i i had a quick look at this uh just to see if there were any like big surprises and i think that the ones that stood out to me was first hi-fi rush
2: that i was gonna mention that came out of nowhere did either of you play it i started it but then so many other things came along i just didn't have the time i want to go back to it for sure but I loved everything I saw, everything. I played like an hour of it. I, I was just loving everything about it. And and knowing that it's only like 10 or 12 hours is is perfect.
1: It's free on Game Pass, right?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It comes from uh, Tango Gameworks, who yeah, also very far, surprising right? because they're known for horror games. Obviously, Shinji Mikami mm-hmm. was the head of that studio. He ended up leaving after this game released. But uh, yeah, I mean, the the guy's a genius. The guy's a genius. He's well, a the good.
2: interesting thing with him is... He only directed the first Evil Within, yeah. and then he's basically just played a producer role at that studio ever since, which I think is really nice. You know, he's kind of ushering in a new generation. That's sort of what his whole uh, goal with that was. But, uh, you know, it would be kind of nice to see him. I-, I actually liked the Evil Within. I know that's a bit more polarizing. I liked that first game, but it would be nice to see him have oh, a new game to be his like swan song um
0: yeah i'm of the same mindset i like i love seeing what his team puts out and like even creators who have left the studio what they are going on to do uh some of them seem really passionate about horror but i mean shinji mikami doesn't even like horror himself he's known for it because he did obviously resident evil 2 resident evil 4 but he's also the mind behind games like beautiful joe like he he has a very mm. creative god hand. fun oh geez yeah god hand <laughs> like what a wild experience that game is so yeah i'm excited to see what he does next now that he's
2: elsewhere and us, i'll just say with hi-fi rush um you know we were talking about th- this generation and how it's kind of being slow and not moving along and uh you know part of that is the fact that games just take so long to make and you know everyone's pushing for these games that you know, are graphical stunners, and they're, you know, super cinematic and everything. And that's partly why, like Jason Schreier, reputable Bloomberg reporter even said a few months ago, you know, any games that like started development now would not be out until PS6, because that's how long games take to make. So, you know, part of what I like about seeing something like Hi-Fi Rush is it, it's a very much like a, a middle finger to that mentality where it's like, it's a very like, it's a passion project. It was clearly made on like a smaller budget. It was a smaller scale thing, but it's very stylized. Like that visual style is going to look good 10 years from now, right? Because yep. it's super stylized. It's not going for a photorealistic look. It's very over the top stylish. Like it's that it's what that team wanted to do and it was literally a passion project of that director. Um I think his name's Johan Johannes or something. He did Evil Within 2, so I I think that's great. And we saw that even with Xbox last year. They did Pentiment, which was one of my favorite games last year. Another small scale sort of title that's perfect for game pass you know it's it took about three years to make it was a passion project of josh sawyer who did fallout new vegas and i think that's what i kind of want to see more from this generation and you know we don't need to have not every game needs to be five six years in the making you know 200 million dollar budget graphics on the level of the last of us right like uh we can get more experimental sort of cool games like this that it, these are the only two games that xbox has really put out in ages and i think that says a lot right because they're struggling with all their other studios they've bought so many studios but they're, they haven't put out any games from them because they're figuring out what to do with them right but then when you let a small team the small budget just do what they want to do we get things like hi-fi rush which i just think is awesome it came out of nowhere and it's one of the highest rated games of the year right now i think it's like an 88 or 89 on medical yeah an 89 awesome yeah. Yeah, and and it's perfect, right? Like, and you can play it in 10 or 12 hours.
0: Yeah, yeah. what you said is backed up by the scores that we see as well. You know, uh, the two biggest games that I think in terms of, like, budget and publicity and that sort of stuff that I can think of are Forspoken, which is sitting at a 67 right now, and that's, like, probably a multi-hundred-million-dollar game from uh, Square Enix. And then you've got Atomic Heart, which is sitting at a 74.
1: Which I thought would be higher. I totally thought Atomic Heart would have been higher, but... Uh...
2: Well, and Forspoken is sort of that thing where it didn't need to be open world. Like, I Mm -hmm. actually really like the parkour mechanics, but it was a very empty, generic sort of Ubisoft 2006 sort of open world, right? And that's sort of my whole point that I always bang on that drum. You know, games don't need... Not every game needs to be open world or needs to be 100 hours long, right? You know, data shows the majority of people don't finish games. So, you know, if you have... Like even Miles Morales was like an eight-hour game. Only two-thirds yeah. of people beat that game, according to trophy data, which is wild. It's an eight-hour launch title, <laughs> and it's a great. And that's a very story-driven game, too, right? Yeah. So, I just yeah, getting something like Hi-Fi Rush or Pentiment or these smaller games that you know, not everything needs to be a graphical showcase um, for a console. I mean, you obviously you want games like that, but not everything needs to be. So, anyways, that sorry, that was my whole rant with uh, Hi-Fi Rush. <laughs> Uh, I love yeah, it. Yeah,
0: no, the, the only other score that I was... Uh, two other scores that I was going to call out. Fire Emblem Engage sits at an 81, which is respectable. I think actually kind of low for that franchise, uh, historically. Yeah, the uh, story but was then... terrible. <laughs>
2: story <laughs> that, that and characters were wild. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, love, I love Fire Emblem, but yeah, it was a bit more mixed up. But funny story about that real quick. It sold better in Canada than it did in the U.S. It was the second best-selling game because the ESA Canada, the Entertainment Software Association of Canada, we do a lot of stuff with them. I've interviewed them a bunch of times. They released data for the first time. They partnered with NPD, which tracks sales data in the U.S., but they've never done it for Canada. They started doing it in Canada in January, and the the best-selling game was Modern Warfare 2, no surprise there. But the second best-selling game in Canada was Fire Emblem Engage, And they don't even track uh, digital sales for Nintendo games either. It's just physical. So, you know, it it did better than NHL here. It did better than uh, Dead Space, uh, which was a new release that year. Um, So Canadians really like Fire Emblem. And that's what, like, when I was interviewing the CEO, he was even saying so many Fire Emblem fans were losing their minds when they saw how well it did in Canada. (laughs) So it's it's interesting that Canadians particularly are big weebs. Yeah, they're all just weebs. Just got to say it. Well,
0: and, and Zelda historically sells much better in Canada than in the U.S. as well. Apparently, I, I can't remember. I think it was Reggie fils who came out and basically was like, yeah. yeah, Canada really loves Zelda.
2: Yeah, and the Switch was the best-selling console in Canada for the last five years, too. Wow. Which is, uh, so pretty much the entire time the Switch has been on the market, it's been the best seller in Canada. So that's uh, really interesting. Um, I'll just, uh, did you have any other games you wanted to mention or should I? Just uh, the last it? one was just Metroid Prime, which is at a 95. Huh. <laughs> Another game that was shadow dropped. Uh, yeah, We knew it was coming because from a lot of, but you know, um, I mean, Bayonetta Origins just came out. This uh, reviews just dropped yesterday. I think that's sitting at like an 84. Apparently that's a fun, again, sort of my point of a smaller, like experimental thing that Cap, um, sorry, not Capcom, Platinum was doing um that apparently seems to be resonating with people octopath traveler 2 is something that i didn't really like the first game as, as a big jrpg fan i had a lot of issues with it um the structure the fact that the stories didn't align or whatever but i was hearing from a lot of people that saying that they fixed a lot of those issues like jason schreier was saying that it's his, one of his favorite jrpgs ever and he was someone like me who didn't like the first game that much for those reasons so i'm really excited to play that um like a Dragon: Ishin uh, got some pretty good reviews. You know, Yakuza is always like a fan favorite. Uh, my friend, uh, who's written for the site a few times, Andrew, he, Andrew Mohan, he did a, a fun little piece on Like a Dragon. He kind of related it to his love of Japan and ha- when we visited there. So that was check that out as well. And then uh, Wolong: Fallen Dynasty, I think, was in the low Metacritic uh, low eighties on Metacritic as well. So another game from Team Ninja who made Neo. So. I mean it was on Game Pass, so that probably gave it a bigger yeah. boost. And uh I mean the thing with Team Ninja is they've never like in terms of like their Soulsborne style games, they've never been like nineties Metacritic. They've always been like in the eighties range. Like they're always like very solid takes on the genre, but they've never been like oh, this is God tier sort of on the level of from software sort of thing. So. Yeah, I
1: tried playing Wulong as a Souls fan and I really liked Neo 2. As well, and I just it it didn't grab me like the other like, how Souls games usually grab me or how Neo grabbed me or Sekiro grabbed me. It was just I don't know. It felt weird.
2: But I think the big takeaway with all that is there's a it's been very consistent the last few year, uh the last few months where we've gotten a lot of like '80s scoring games. So nothing like oh my god game of the year level. I don't think yet, but very consistent, right? And again, obviously review scores aren't the be all end all. What I just mean is that there's been a lot of like solid games that have come out which is nice and a little bit of everything very different genres all across
1: so what are you playing right now
2: uh do you want me to start sure um i go through waves where i play a lot and then i kind of take a break for a bit so i'm kind of in that break period because i i did a lot like i reviewed season which is a really good indie game from a studio in montreal i loved that game i reviewed Forspoken. i reviewed the psvr2 and I did a bunch of other features and all the last of us. I've written like 30 stories on the last of us this year. So that's all the last of us stuff too. So I, I did take a bit of a break from games. So I, to be honest, I was, I was mostly for when Creed three came out, I went through all the Rocky movies for the first time. And then for uh scream six, I rewatched all the Scream movies. So I was kind of watching movies more, but uh, I have been playing PSVR two a little bit here and there. Okay. Um, Resident evil village VR is incredible. Um, I wrote about it for the site Um, that was a sort of the big one that I've I haven't finished it yet I've only put a few hours because it's it's physically draining and it's uh, you know uh pretty tense as well but it adds so much to the experience the the whole tension of having to aim the the motion sensor uh, motion controls and you know load each shotgun shell into it aim it fire everything like that it adds so much to the experience and just the whole sense of of scale, like looking at Lady Dimitrescu, who's literally 9.7 feet tall. Seeing that in VR really gives you an appreciation for how tall she is. Like it's one thing for Capcom to say that's how tall she is. But then when you actually see it in VR, it's like, holy shit. So um, that's definitely, and it was, it's weird because they didn't make that game available for the review period because that's like a killer app for the PSVR two And Gran Turismo 7 as well. I was playing that in VR. I'm not a racing game fan at all. It's not generally a genre that I, I'm interested in, but the the VR adds so much to it. Just looking being able to look through mirrors, look out your your window, uh when you're turning around corners, see the cars go by you, like it really adds a lot to the experience. So
0: that's that's um, the one that I'm excited about, weirdly enough. I, yeah. I I haven't really dug much into VR and I'm I'm way too much of a wuss to ever try horror in VR, but I love me some racing games,
2: so yeah, it's I I honestly want to like get a steering wheel for it like because it's that cool. Do you uh,
1: do you actually mind so. going into more about your PSVR experience? I guess we should have talked about that earlier. I just I just I forgot it exists. I don't. I, yeah, well, seven hundred. That's fair. Dollars, I mean, right? So I was just like I, I yeah, it. it's
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, the TLDR is it's very good. It improves on the original in a lot of ways. Like the visual leap is significant, um, particularly because they use. The eye tracking of the headset uh, for, a, I, I believe it's called foveated rendering where uh, wherever you're looking, uh, it'll track where your eyes are looking and it'll reduce the image quality of everything in your periphery. So um, to focus on the image quality of what you're looking at, so that it can really make for crisp like 4k visuals that way. Um, and then a lot of other games can do kind of creepy things with that. Like the, the until it's not until dawn, but it's from the until dawn people like the horror game with that, um, Every time you blink, it'll like the the mannequins will like move every time you blink for like a added horror experience. So there's a lot of cool things that they can do with that technology. Um, just the fact that it's a single cord is a huge step up from the original PS4, which had like a PSVR which had like a million cables and you had to unplug it every time you wanted to use HDR which was such a hassle and I stopped using my that's the original one right there uh behind me I stopped using it after a while because it was just so tedious uh with the PS4 Pro but yeah I mean honestly the biggest issue is just the price and the lack of new games I mean um we talk about we talked about the new generation not having a lot of new games and you know that kind of extends to the psvr too as well where um I feel like they really needed to have Half-Life: Alyx on there as a launch title. Um and again, we don't know the behind the scenes deals. Maybe they tried with Valve and Valve just wouldn't do it or apparently there've been reports that it's coming. I don't know how credible those are, but regardless, that would have been a a really good system seller, but um as it is, it's got a lot of solid games, but other than the few that I mentioned, nothing like really worth like you have to go out and buy it. But especially because it costs more than a PS5. So it is a a huge luxury item, but uh, I do enjoy it. It, It's a fun, nice change of pace. I mean, I hadn't used VR in so long that I've definitely been feeling like, not motion sickness, but a a little lightheaded and getting a bit of a headache if I use it for that long. Uh, So I've been kind of only using it for like an hour or two here or there.
1: All right, cool, thank you. Chris, what are you playing?
0: I am the opposite of Brad right now. I have been playing more games over the last few weeks than I know what to do with. My problem is that I get so excited about every game that's coming along or that gets added to a service or that my partner wants to try out that I end up playing 10 games at a time and uh, I don't finish a lot of stuff. And so I have managed over the last few weeks to finish lost judgment it's funny earlier we were talking about yakuza, nice. yakuza. but nice. lost judgment i started a while ago finally got around to finishing it that is an excellent game i actually hot take but i i do prefer the judgment games to the yakuza games uh i have now i've only beaten yakuza zero and Kiwami, so maybe i'm not educated enough to speak to the whole series but i definitely i loved both judgment and lost judgment
2: lost judgment in particular uh
0: really that's a series i've
2: always wanted to get into i love that sort of like goofy like campiness mixed with like sincere sincerity like that's something i really love like rrr was one of my favorite movies from last year and it was i've heard from a lot of people it's basically like yakuza live action and i would love to see i would love to play those games there's just so many of them i'm it'll be a big time sink but i want to i want to play them
0: yeah, how you described it actually sums it up really, really well. For anybody who's not familiar with the Judgment games, uh, Lost Judgment is about a detective who was a former lawyer uh, who, unfortunately, you know, was not disbarred or anything, who but walked away from the profession because he felt like the law was not holding up justice, essentially. And so in this game, you, you go from a very serious story about investigating a school bullying allegations to being the advisor for the dance club and like leading them to victory by teaching them through rhythm games and all of this crazy nonsense. And it can so definitely go between the two where it one minute I was on the verge of tears to the next, where I'm laughing out loud and it's one of the very few games that can make me genuinely laugh. So yeah, for anybody out there who has not checked them out, I definitely, definitely recommend either Yakuza or uh judgment both both are amazing both from the same studio but uh
2: really really excellent i think i think most of them are still on game pass too right yep i know yeah, they actually, did come to game pass game I...
0: pass and the playstation plus extended great right. yeah playstation plus as well so yeah. bo- both system uh bo- both systems have most of the games available lost judgment isn't available yet but judgment is and i assume it'll probably be added to the service one day uh so yeah i was just saying, yeah,
1: you said you're playing a lot of games. I want to I hear A lot more. of
0: games, yeah. So the other one that I have almost finished that I said last time I was on the podcast that I would start and stick with is The Witcher 3. I'm in the last few Ooh. hours. Yes. Finally almost done it. Uh, that is a long game, but an excellent game. I uh, definitely see where all the accolades come from, but I'm almost done. Have not finished yet.
1: I have this weird thing with The Witcher Three, where I was mad that it won RPG of the Year two years in a row. one for it, the original game, and or one for Blue, uh, Blue Blood and Wine,
2: Heart of Stone,
1: Heart of Stone. Is that what it won? Or Blood, uh, blood, yeah, blood and, wine. and Wine? Yeah, sorry. And I was just going through my PlayStation like play times recently, like I think it was last week, and it's my most played non-shooter game which really threw me off guard. I've played more of The Witcher 3 than I've played of Bloodborne, which is my favorite game. Um, so yeah, that caught me off guard. Uh, anywho, uh, should I go to what I'm I, playing? I have,
0: I've even, I'm going to run you through a quick list of the games that I'm currently playing that I'm not Rapid fire. Here we go, ready? So I'm replaying Metroid Prime Remastered. I'm about 10 hours into that. That game holds up so well. Uh, I'm playing Final Fantasy VII Remake again because my partner was like, I've never played it. Let's do it. And so she's getting really into that. Earth Defense Force 5 is just a wild time. That's on PlayStation Plus. And so I was like, I've never played one. Uh, I did try Wulong Fallen Dynasty. I am enjoying that. I've only beaten the first boss, but I, I have liked it. And I guess these are the most important ones. The Finals uh, is an upcoming shooter from the former Battlefield devs at DICE who went off and made their mm-hmm. own thing. Also played the Resident Evil 4 remake demo. Brad, I don't know if you had a chance to check that out, but...
2: Uh... I So I deliberately didn't just because the game is coming out so soon. I just wanted to wait. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm still waiting. I'm not sure if I'll get a code or not before re- release. So I just wanted to hold up. That's partly why I haven't jumped into many new games either because I was hoping I would get Resident Evil 4 and finish that and then I... I still have to finish Shadowbringers, Final Fantasy XIV. I got halfway through that, and then as is always the case, a million things fell on me. So I okay. wanted to finish that. I was also planning. I figured, or you know, originally when we were talking about podcasts, I thought we would do a March episode on uh, Jedi Survivor because it was supposed to come out in March, and then it got delayed it got six delayed. weeks, which is which is cool. I mean, um, take whatever time you need. But uh, so my whole plans for March were kind of thrown out of window. But anyways,
0: and my last one, Dean, I'm going to toss it over to you, but I am going to be checking out the Diablo 4 beta because there's the open beta this weekend and next. And that's it. I'm done, I swear.
1: So uh, that's a lot of games. I'm actually going to be checking out the Diablo 4 Beta this weekend yes. as well. so uh, see, let's uh,
0: go. Yeah,
1: I'm excited for that. Uh, but I'm currently playing uh, I'm trying Wulong. Uh, I've I'm, I'm playing it. I also started to play, uh, and this is super weird because I didn't finish the first game, uh, but Horizon, it's on PlayStation Plus Extra now. Uh, what's the new one called? Or not the new one, but the- Forbidden West. Forbidden, Forbidden West. West, yeah. So I started Forbidden West uh, as well, uh, and it completely, it starts off with telling you exactly what happens in the first one. So if you, uh, you, you don't like spoilers, don't do what I just did, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's fine. Uh, But what I'm really into right now is a game from 2021, and it's Ender Lily's Quietest of Nights. And it's a 2D platformer that people call Souls-like, I don't it's Souls-like-ish, more Hollow Knight-ish, if anything. Uh, And I'm really enjoying that. So I'm I'm 30 hours deep into that right now, and I'm just really having fun. Just playing around in that world i haven't finished the game yet i I apparently i can but there's so much to explore and it does this cool thing on the mini map whenever you finish a room Mm. it changes color so that you know that it's completed so i'm now going back and going through the beginning parts of the uh the game and just finishing rooms now i have i think all the movement abilities available available so i'm just having a lot of fun at that game Uh, but yeah i was definitely really expecting to be playing star wars by now and it's Delayed, so it kind of broke my heart. Uh, it's delayed to my birthday, though. Um, so it's like a little nice gift for me. Uh, Ooh. I'm really excited for that. But yeah, <laughs> so right now it's just Ender Lilies and gonna be checking out Diablo 4. I'm very excited for that. Love it. And that is it for today's Sierra C- Parquet uh, C- Cast. I, th- I think we'll be having another one this month. Hopefully, that's my goal. Uh, which will be very cool, uh, but until then, you can find me on Twitter at the Daily Dean and my Instagram at my Daily Dose, and of course on MobileSyrup.com. Brad, where can will find you.
2: Uh, I'm also on MobileSyrup.com. I am on Twitter, Brad Shankar, B R A D S H A N K A R,
1: and Chris, you're not online.
2: I am
0: dead to the world, except now you can check out the drop on all of Mobile Syrup's socials, and I'm in every comment section. You don't
2: know it, but I'm watching. You've been doing a great job with those, by the way. Those have been really fun. Oh, thank you. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I just started watching them today, weirdly enough, and I was just like, oh, these are really good. I just (laughs) walked through all of them today. Oh, Um, thank you. Yeah, they're really good. So yeah, catch Chris on the drop. And as always, you can find all of our content on MobileSyrup.com and also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MobileSyrup. Thanks for listening.
0: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods,
1: Waving goodbye, like you can see. We we don't
0: put out a video version of this anymore, do we? No, it's
1: not.